Good morning. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18 for our reading this morning. I must say my high school class has multiplied like the five loaves and two fish. So, our portion this morning will be 18 and 19. So we ask the Lord to help us as we meditate upon His Word. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18 and we'll read all of 18 and some of 19. Genesis chapter 18 verse 1, it says, The Lord appeared to him by the Tirith tree of Mare. And he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them. And he bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if, you have found favor in, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that I may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by as much as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and to, uh, hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal kneaded and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he, which he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the Tirith tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. Behold, uh, behold Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years, in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men arose uh, the men arose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I, what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that, I, that, that he may, may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because of the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? 
Far be it for, from you to do such a, thi- such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord, so the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place from, for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I am but dust and ashes, and taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, If there is forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. And so he said, I will not destroy it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. Then he said, Do not, uh, Let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. So the Lord went away as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Now, Two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. And when he saw them, he rose to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face to the, towards the ground, and he, and he said, Here, my lords, please turn, uh, turn to your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, we will, we will spend the night in, in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned, uh, so they turned into into him, and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people from every corner surrounded the house, and they came to Lot and said, "Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally." Skip down to verse twelve. Then the men said to Lot, "Have you anyone? Have you have you have? I'm sorry. Have you anyone else here? Son-in-laws, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy the place because the outcry against it has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it." So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws, who were married to his daughters, and said, "Get up." And get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But his son-in-laws, his son-in-laws had seemed to be joking. And when he, and when the morning dawned, the angel urged Lot, "Hurry, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you, lest be, um, lest you be consumed by the punishment of the city." And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand and his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord, being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set, set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, said escape, escape for your lives. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plains. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords. Indeed, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy with, with you, uh, uh, which you have shown to me by saving my life. 
But I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now the city is near enough to flee, uh, to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to them, I, uh, I see, I, I'm sorry, see, I have found favor, um, uh, I have favored you concerning this also, in that I will not overthrow the city in which you are spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot, uh, cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the, na- uh, the name of the city is called Zoar. The sun had risen up on the earth when Lot entered Zoar, and the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. So he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land in the plains, and he saw. And behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of of the plain, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And may the Lord bless the reading of His Word. And so this morning we have these two stories of these two righteous men before us. You know, most of you have been in a jewelry store before, haven't you? I mean, I've been there a a couple of times, maybe not as often as my wife would want me to. But the way a jewelry store displays their trinkets. You look in there in, in, in those glass cases and everything is just glistening, isn't it? Why do you think that is? Well, they always put a, a beautiful diamond ring and behind it is always black velvet, isn't it? And, and the diamond with the contrast of that, uh, of that black velvet just shines, doesn't it? And we see here in this two passage, in these two chapters, something very similar. The Lord contrasting two different men. One who walked in silent communion with the Lord, separate from this world. And the other, a righteous man, yet a man who was vexed in his soul by where he was and what he did. Not walking rightly with the Lord. And so the Lord here shows us Two images, two conscious that we can learn from this morning. So, let's begin this morning with Abraham. Now, we can learn a lot from Abraham. Because Abraham, we read, is a man of faith, right? I mean, in Hebrews, it speaks time and time of, again of, of, of Abraham, how he was a man of faith. He walked in faith. He, he waited for a city uh, which had a foundation and a builder, which was God. He never really ever sat roots in this, in this earth. He, he looked towards the heaven. And, you know, we, we begin this chapter. And he says uh, he was at the, door, at, the, at, at the tent of the door. And he, what? He lifted up his eyes. Always looking up. There's something to be said there, brothers and sisters. Should, should you and I be looking up? We should be like Abraham. A man of faith always looking up. Looking for that future hope. Right? But that's just one thing. There's many things we can learn from Abraham. I love that Abraham was sitting there resting in the heat of the day. 
And he looks up and he sees these three men. Now, we don't, I don't, we don't know how quickly he realized who these three men was, were, but it seems like it was pretty immediate. Because he ran towards them, and, and if you look at the, 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 the verse there, in verse chapter 2, I mean verse 2 of chapter 18, uh, I'm sorry, verse 3, he says, he calls him my Lord with a capital L. Insinuating that he realized that these three men were not just average travelers. He realized that these men were atypical. Even so, he ran to them. He said, Look, please, stop by. Let, let me bring a little water. We'll wash your feet. You can refresh yourself. Sit under the tree and I'll prepare a little morsel for you to eat. You know, it, it's humbling to see the attitude of, of, of Abraham. Here's a man who the previous chapter, the God Almighty had came to him and said, Listen, I'm going to make a great nation of you, Abraham. Kings are going to come from you. Nations will be blessed from you. And here is this man who who's, has a potential of being a great man, sitting at the door, waiting to serve. Waiting to serve for any opportunity. He could have had many servants stand out in front of the tent and say, if any traveler comes by, show them hospitality. I have plenty of hired servants that could do that type of work. No, not Abraham. He sat in, the, in front of his own tent. And when he saw those three men, he ran to them, he bowed down to them, recognized who they were, and pleaded them to stop. To stop and, and just linger a little bit. That we may refresh you. And, and, and it's interesting if you look at the verbiage there, right? What, what did he do? He says, says, Abraham, once they said, do as you have said, it says, Abraham hurried into the tent. Right? He, it says, Abraham ran. Right? It says, Abraham hastened. Listen to that language. Listen to that. What is servitude? How should it be done? <laughs> Quickly. Quickly. I, you know, I, to my own shame, you know, my wife says, Jamal, you need to do this. I said, absolutely, I will, I will. And it's gone weeks and I still haven't done it. No. We talked about it a couple weeks. Let our yeses be yes and our noes be noes. Listen. When you serve the Lord, you do it and you do it unto Him and you do it quickly. He, he thought about, his, his thoughts were not on Himself, but were on the trouble. He didn't think about, oh, it's the heat of the day, I'm going to have to go get a, a calf, I'm going to have to slaughter it, prepare it, cook it, I'm going to have to go make, have Sarah, and Sarah's going to be upset because I'm going to have to ask her to make some cakes and she's not going to want to make... No, not one thought came across His mind about Himself, but His thought was about what? His visitors... Oh, the servant heart of, of Abraham. And then you, you consider this. The pleasure of entertaining the Lord. The honor that was His to stand as the Lord would partake of what He prepared. Very few people in the, in the Scriptures have that opportunity. To sit there and say, the Lord sat at my table. Mary and Martha, right? <laughs> they sat there. Martha even got a little over-consumed with preparing meals, didn't she? Sometimes she forgot who she had. Mary didn't. But they can say, for eternity has gone by. You remember the Lord? He sat at our table. And we brought Him refreshment. What a beautiful thing that God, the God of heavens, would be willing to come down 
and partake of our offering, of our gifts. What a wonderful God we serve. You know, the privilege is also ours. Yes, we, we can look and look at Abraham. We can look at Mary and Martha. They had a very unique privilege because they were there in the flesh with the Lord. But we likewise have that privilege, don't we? You know, in, in John chapter 14, the Lord says, If anyone loves me and keeps my word, and my, my Father will love him, and I will come into him and make our home with him. You know, Revelation speaks, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the, opens the door, he says, I will come into him and sup with him. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I oppose you. This morning we sat around a table and we brought our offerings before the Lord. And I will say the Lord was, was honored and pleased with our, our simple refreshment. Our feeble attempts of worship. The Lord was kind, and He accepted those, those, that simple refreshment we can bring. And what a beautiful thing is that the God Almighty would, would, have, would look up favorably upon wretched souls like you and I. And so we see that, the, that Abraham had the opportunity to provide refreshment to the Lord. And not only did he have the opportunity to bring a, a, a simple morsel of food and some meat and some bread and some, some water, but he was able to commune with the Lord. You know, it's something that, that's, that's always said of Abraham. Two things that Abraham could be noted for in the Scripture. Is that because he was a wonder. He, he was known for his tent. He was always in a tent. And two, is everywhere he went there followed some type of altar. He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. We see a man who walked quietly with the Lord in communion. And here he has an opportunity to commune to the Lord concerning his own things. And so the Lord asked, it's not Abraham asking, the Lord asked, where's your wife? Where's Sarah? And Abraham said, well, she's in the tent. And he said, well, listen to the words. The Lord says, I will certainly return. I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, your wife shall have a son. Now, we know one of these men, one of these three men that were here, was, the, was a pre-incarnate Christ. This is a, 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 a Christophany uh, that we have here in the Old Testament. It's Christ before He came to the flesh. He's here with Abraham, and He speaks the words of the Lord. And He speaks with the authority of the Lord. And He says, I will certainly return to you. Now, brothers and sisters, my word is flawed. I will tell you, I will do this and I will fail you. But when the Lord says, I will certainly, you can count on it. You can take that check and you can take it to the bank. Every single time. And it's interesting the way the Lord reveals Himself in this situation because He said aloud enough for Sarah Who's sitting in the tent? Now, I don't want to say that Sarah was eavesdropping and being nosy. I don't think she was. I mean, it's, it's a tent. If anybody's been in a tent, you know you can hear everything that's going on outside. I mean, it's kind of a deficit, actually. When you're trying to sleep and you hear all kinds of things outside, you can't sleep. I'm a bit of a wuss, if you can't tell. I, 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 really, I really don't care for camping. But Sarah heard what these men were saying. He heard what, what the conversation between Abraham and the Lord was. And the Lord was reassuring Abraham that the time is coming and I will certainly be here when 
when Sarah is about to deliver a child. And Sarah, in her heart, in her mind, in her soul, says, Lord, who am I? I mean, the, the, the ways of, of women have gone from me, it says, right? Uh, she has gone through menopause. There's just no physical possible way of me having a child. Entropy has already occurred into my body. There's just no physical way. She laughed in her heart. Any of us would laugh, wouldn't we? Modern science would say it's impossible. But you know, the Lord is, is ever merciful, ever kind, and hears the heart of Sarah and says, why, why, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? <laughs> Could you imagine Sarah's heart? Oh my gosh, he knows what I just did. Oh. You know, her words, she says, shall I find pleasure being old and my Lord or lowercase l being 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 old in her mind in, in in her opinion of what the situation was it did not seem possible and so she laughed in her heart and the lord confronted her and she was afraid she it says and she lied and she says no i didn't but the lord says yes you did i'll point this i, I want to i want to emphasize this it's amazing the grace of God. When confronted, a sinner's confronted with their sins. Yet God had every right to take Sarah and snuff her out there in that moment. I know what you did, Sarah. Sarah says, no, I didn't. I didn't do it. No, but the Lord says, yes, you did. And he moved on. Graciously. You know, and I bring this up because I think... This situation spoke volumes to this woman. I, if, you, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, when, in the Hall of Faith, where it talks about Sarah. Turn with me real quick. Hebrews chapter 11. I, when did Sarah have faith? Listen, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child. It says, when she was past age, it says, listen, because she judged him, capital H, the Lord, he judged him faithful who had promised. Why did she turn to faith? Because she judged the Lord to be faithful. And how did she come to that conclusion, brothers and sisters? How did she come to the conclusion that the man who said, you shall bear a child outside the years of your, of your, of your childbearing years, how does she count this man faithful? Well, because when she was caught in her sin, and she was confronted in her sin, the Lord did not smite that woman, but said, yes, you did, Sarah. And graciously walked away. Didn't condemn her like a, like a, like a father would. If my child lies to me, he says, why are you lying to me? You deserve to be punished. As a father, that's what I would do. No. God the Father showed a little grace, a little mercy. I said, yes, you did, Sarah, and walked away. Imagine, it reminds me of, of the Samaritan woman, right? Samaritan woman, the Lord says, listen, I give you living water, but where's your husband? Oh, well, I don't have a husband. Well, you've spoken right. You, you've, you've had five, and now you're shacked up with the sixth. What is her testimony when she walks back into the town? She says, come see a man who's told me all that I've done. 
You know, and the reason she emptied the town out, it's not because this man could tell her all she's done. It's because this man told her all that she's done. And if he's the Messiah, he should have smote her dead. But he didn't. God would bestow his love towards this woman and show grace and kindness to this woman. And the town said, well, we must see this for ourselves. And she cleared out the town. So here we find Sarah. But I digress because I'm getting on a topic here. And so we see here that the, that the Lord and these two men, which we find out are angels in chapter 19, go on their way. And, and Abraham walks with them as to lead them out. And we see something very peculiar, very interesting in verse 17 of chapter 18. It says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what, am I, what I am doing? You know, there's very few instances in the Word of God where God privies us into what He's thinking. In fact, the only other place that I can think of would be in John 17 when, when the Lord prays to the Father, when Jesus Christ prays to the Father, and, and, and He prays for His disciples and His future disciples and, and for everything else, for the church. But here He says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? You know, this, this, this is a tremendous verse because it speaks... It should speak to our hearts of the character of our God. A God who looked at Abraham. Now, listen, you guys know the story of Abraham. He's a flawed man. Every time something happened, he went down to Egypt and said, Hey, that's my sister. In fact, even after this event, he still goes and does the same thing. Flawed man. Far flawed man. But God loved Abraham. He didn't look at Abraham and saw what he wasn't. He didn't look at Abraham and see the, the things that he, he fails in. He looked at Abraham and saw the potential in Abraham. Saw the good in Abraham. Saw the faith in Abraham. So much so, I believe it was in James, right? In James chapter 2, it's said of Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And he was called what? The friend of the friend of God. What a unique place to find yourself, right? For Abraham to be called the friend of God. Now, it's interesting because here's the character of God, right? This is Abraham. I know Abraham. He's my friend. Now, we can relate to this. We can understand. This is a worldly concept, an earthly concept, I should say. I, listen, I confide in my friends. I don't confide in strangers. If I, if I had a business... You know, I, and and I had employees. I wouldn't necessarily tell the employees what the financial status of the company may be, hypothetical company may be. But to my friend, I would say, you know, brother, pray for me. I we're kind of financially strapped. Uh, things are kind of tough. Please pray for me, right? To a friend, you confide in a friend. You 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 seek wise counsel from a friend. But now we understand that relationship between a man and, and a man, or a woman and a woman, and so forth, right? But now here is the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the heavens, the God who breathed the stars, going to Abraham. Abe, Abraham, listen, uh, I have to go down to Sodom because the, uh, the outcry of sin in Sodom is great and they need to be judged. What do you think? Oh, what a humbling thing. What a humbling thing that God would look upon this man, Abraham, as flawed as he was, and consider him a friend, and say, 
Abraham, this is, this is, these are, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen. And Abraham would have the unique opportunity to intercede. And here is Abraham interceding. And I'm, I'm way out of time, so I, I, I'll speed up. But here you have Abraham interceding for, for Sodom and Gomorrah. Did Sodom and Gomorrah deserve to be interceded for? I don't know. I don't think so. But Abraham was interceding because he knew his, his nephew Lot was there. And so you see this, this back and forth between the Lord and Abraham. And he says, Lord, Lord, if there was 50 in the, in the city, would you spare the city? The Lord says, yes, I'll spare the city. Uh, and, and Abraham understood who he was standing before. He says, listen, I'm nothing but dust and ashes. I'm nothing but six foot of dust and ashes standing before the living God. I know this. Don't be angry with me. But if there was five missing, 45, would you destroy No, Abraham, for, for you. For 45, I'll spare the city. Lord, don't, I'll say again, how about 40? No, Abraham, for 40, I'll spare the city. Lord, please don't be angry with me. For, how about 30? No, no, for 30, Abraham, I won't, I won't destroy the city. 20. And then Abraham ends, says, I'll, I'll speak this one last thing, Lord. If there is 10 in the city, will you spare? And Abraham, and, and, and Lord says, Abraham, I'll spare for the 10. Now you have to wonder why Abraham stopped at 10. Did God's grace stop at 10 righteous souls? Did his mercy stop? No, far from it. The Lord would have gone as far as one. But I think Abraham stopped at 10 because he probably thought about Lot. And you can do a little math here in, in, ch- in chapter uh, 19, verse 12, about Lot. Lot, he, he was Lot, it was his wife, we read about. And we read about his two virgin daughters. That's four, right? And four were taken out. But we also read in verse 12, it says that the angel said, Do you have any son in laws or sons or daughters who are in the city, right? Number one, it says that uh, they, he went to his sons-in-law, plural. So that means that at least he had two, which were married to two of his daughters. That's four. Plus the four that got out, that's eight, right? And it also in verse 12, it says, and your sons, plural. So at least he had two. So let's hypothetically, it's how hypothetical here because we don't know exactly. In Abraham's mind, there was at least ten relatives of Lot in Sodom. He said, at least Lot would have trained them in the way of the Lord, would at least would account them to be righteousness. At least there will be ten. And, and because of Lot and his family, the city will be saved. And all I have to do is come to ten. Fortunately, Abraham didn't really know the situation of Lot. And unfortunately, I don't even think there was four righteous. I think the only Lot was righteous in that group. Nevertheless, the Lord in His wisdom and His character would turn to a six feet of clay and would ask his opinion and would, would, would seek for a man to intercede for the wicked. And that should speak volumes to us, doesn't it? You know, this morning we were talking about an intercessor, right? Abraham was a righteous intercessor, absolutely. But he's not our intercessor. Abraham asked only for ten. No, our Lord says in Hebrews chapter, chapter 7, he says he saves to the uttermost. He saves completely. And He never stops to intercede for you and I. Oh, we have such a greater intercessor than just Abraham. We have the Lord Himself there behind the, uh, in the heavenlies, in the true tabernacle of God, interceding for you and I. Praise be to Him. 
And quickly, let's 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 talk about Lot a little bit because we see the two contrasts, right? Very sim- very simple similarities and contrast between these two stories. Abraham sitting in his tent door, he sees three men. The he comes running and he offers them a, a hospitality. We see the exact same scene. Here's Lot, not in his tent, but at the gate of Sodom, and he sees not three men, but how many men? Two. That's very that's very important because the Lord went down and he communed with Abraham. The Lord didn't come down to Sodom. He didn't commune with, 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 with Lot. Look at the contrast there. Lot did the exact same thing that Abraham did. He ran to him. He bowed himself to the ground and said, Please, come aside. Come into my house. It's evening. Spend the night. Let me give you a little something to eat. And early in the morning, you can go on your way. Now, when Abraham did that, they said, Do as you have said. The Lord said, Do as you have said. Do as you have promised. Provide what you said you were going to provide. When Lot said it, what did the two men say? Oh, listen. They said, no, 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 thank you. They said, they were going to spend the night in the open square. Why do you think that is? They refused the hospitality of Lot. Was, Was his food not as good? Was his wife's cooking not as good? No. Lot wasn't walking with the Lord. There was no communion with the Lord there. He, he was in the wrong place, in the wrong city, with the wrong motives. He, he, he had lost sight of what was important. He was in the wrong position. But Lot insisted anyways. And it's interesting, you know, he, he said he strongly insisted. And you have to wonder why he strongly insisted. Because I think Lot knew exactly what Sodom was. He wasn't disillusioned about what, where he was. He knew exactly what would happen to these two men if they spent the night in the open square. He strongly, he strongly recommended they would say, and they, they graciously accepted his offering and went in. Unlike, unlike Abraham, there was no communion. There was no conversation. There was no fellowship. They just had, had it says he brought up a feast, which is actually an important point. Abraham brought him. Nothing but a small calf and some, and, some, and some bread and some cakes. Lot brought him a, a feast, it says. There's a, the Spirit did that for a reason. He, they brought him a feast. Did that find any more favor in the eyes of guys? No. The Lord, Lord doesn't care about our, our, our material goods. The Lord doesn't care about the, the, the material things we have and what we can give. The Lord wants your heart. The Lord wants my heart. You know, the world will tell you, a Christian world will tell you, say, you know, the Lord needs wealthy people so He can carry on the work. Listen, the Lord doesn't need any wealthy people. The Lord doesn't need any wealth. He has all the wealth. He doesn't want your material goods. He wants your soul. He wants your heart. He wants your commitment. He wants your love. Oh, what a contrast between Abraham and Lot. So we see the, the, the horrible scene there. They, they, they eat dinner in the night. Of course, the, the, it says, we, you see the depravity of Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, it says, both the old and the young came from all corners of the city to his door. It's kind of all-encompassing, isn't it? You know, the, the world will look at this passage and say, what about the babies? What about the women? There's got to be some in this. Listen, the Lord knows. He's, he's not the... The judge of all the earth, righteous? Of course he is. Of course he is. Listen, 
after the, the, the whole little conversation between the crowd and Lot, and, and he didn't get anywhere, and he, and he offered his daughters, uh, Lot was completely confused. The angels drug him in and closed the door. And it says he struck, they struck the people, the men of the city, with blindness. You think that the men of the city who would be struck with blindness would realize that the God Almighty is at the door and saying, watch yourself, because judgment is at hand. Can you guys recall of any other city where the Lord says, listen, judgment is upon you? Nineveh, right? Nineveh. I mean, Jonah was a, was a reluctant preacher, but the Lord says, listen, your days are numbered. And Nineveh said, Lord, forgive us. If the Lord is willing to, to warn us, then He's willing to forgive us. Repent. The entire city repented. And, it, and it's instead of Nineveh, the same as not, of, of, of Sodom. The outcry of Nineveh was great, just as it is at Sodom. But Nineveh repented. But what did the men of Sodom do? Oh, as blind as bats, they're groping around looking for the door. A bunch of fools they were. You see the depravity of Sodom. You know, I'll end with this. Because we don't have time. But the problem with Lot goes back a couple chapters in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 13, when Abraham went down to Egypt. Or actually chapter 12. He went down to Egypt. And he took Lot with him. And we read in chapter 13 that Egypt never really left his heart. Lot came out with Abraham from Egypt. He came out with lots of good. But Egypt never left Lot's heart. In chapter 13, when the herdsmen were fighting with each other, and Abraham and Lot got together and said, Listen, everyone said, Listen, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want there to be any strife. Or, uh, our testimony is, is being ruined here among the, the people of Canaan. Listen, you pick whatever way you want, I'll go the opposite. It says that Lot would look upon the great plains, the well-watered plains of Moab, and he said, it's like the garden of the Lord. And you say, wow, what, what do you mean the garden of the Lord? What, what, what do you think he was talking about? Were you talking about the garden of Eden? No, it, the very next phrase it says, like Egypt. Oh, what a confused man. What a confused man. He, he left Egypt, but his heart was still there. And sadly, that didn't change in this instant. You know, he, he left towards Sodom and, and he tented next to Sodom. And before you know it, he was the gate. He was, he was the judge of Sodom. A place of, of power politically and in business. He was at the gate of Sodom. And when the angels warned him, you have to leave, you have to leave. It says he lingered and lingered until the men had to grab him by the hand and drag him out. And you think he learned his lesson then? Oh. The angel says, listen, go to the mountains because the plains are going to be destroyed. And he says, listen, I have found favor because you saved me. I, I can't go to the mountain. That's so, Lord, he says. The Lord just saved you out of his judgment. He tells you to go to the mountain. And he says, listen, if I go to the mountain, evil will come upon me. Huh? The Lord just said, go and you'll be safe. And you say, evil will come upon me? The man is almost a little stubborn, a little foolish. He says, listen, there's a small little city over here. It, it's a little city. It's a tiny little city. 
grasping on to the, 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 the minute things of this world. Contrast Abraham who lived in a tent, who just I, had no interest of in the things of this world, to a man who in his close to death would sit there and say, let me go over here, have mercy on me, let me go over here to this tiny little city. Trying to hold on to whatever roots he had here on this earth. It's a stern warning to you and I, brothers and sisters. I, 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 I speak of Lot and I, and I say these things uh, never thinking I'm better than Lot, brothers and sisters. I, I, are, you, are, you and I can very easily be like Lot. This world is, is very alluring. And you say, well, we're not Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, I, I think we're right on the doorsteps of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, we're right there. There's not much, we're not much different than Sodom and Gomorrah. But you and I as believers, do we like Lot? Seek to advance in this earthly world, in, in, in our job, in our position. You know, the, the, the world will look at Abraham and, and Lot and say, well, Abraham's just a, a silly shepherd out there in the middle of a field by himself living on a tent. He's a nomad. Well, look at Lot. Oh, well, he, he's a judge at the gate of a, a major city, a thriving metropolitan city. Now there's a man. <laughs> oh, the Lord, Lord doesn't look at those things, does He? He looks at the heart. Oh, the, the, the mistakes of Lot. And Lot, Lot was rescued and saved by the Lord. And, and, and interesting there, and I, the last few verses we had, it, it, it's because Abraham. The Lord says the Lord remembered Abraham. And therefore he saved Lot. Which is a lesson to you and I. As believers, born again believers in Christ. We're to intercede for one another. Intercede for the ungodly. Intercede for this world. Before a holy and righteous God. The power of prayer is an immense thing. And it's one that I will say I neglect quite often. And I pray that you don't. I, uh, Lord, let us, let us change. Let, let, let us intercede for those around us. In faith. And we may honor Him in all things, right? All right, let us close in a word of prayer.